every interaction you and I have, everything you do or don't do, everything you say or don't say, has the ability to either enhance or diminish your relationship with someone else. And normally, it's the latter. It's, you know, every time you have an interaction, you can screw it up. If you're incompetent, going from mediocre to shitty is stupid. <laughs> it's linear. Right. And you don't want to operate in the linear zone. You want to operate in the geometric zone or the exponential zone. JB here in the Wolf's Den. It's going to be an awesome day, by the way. So, you know, I've had some really super accomplished people here on the podcast. Had a couple of charlatans who got exposed on the podcast. <laughs> had some really entertaining people who really aren't in the business and consulting industry. Just, you know, great, fun people who have great stories to tell. And then every once in a while, you get like a special person, like an expert's expert, right? Someone who is the, the kind of the real deal on steroids, right? Who can really um, bring massive value to anyone who's listening, who's got the experience, the clout, the reputation, the whole package, right? And that's the man I'm with today. Uh, he's a friend of mine, and you'll probably, a lot of you know who he is. If you don't, you really should, because it's just like knowledge on top of knowledge, my friend Jay, how you doing? Abraham, how are you, buddy? <laughs> good, Everything thank good? Thank you. Yeah, that so, was very nice. I like that. I'm going to make that on my, my phone so when people hear it. <laughs> the ringtone, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, listen, I, I mean what I say That's here. Very you know, And thank you've you. uh, obviously you've been around the block. You've seen this industry go from even probably before the internet was even Absolutely. the internet, right? Absolutely. So why don't we start there and then, you know, tell me, you know, your history. How'd you get started in the business of, sure. of, you know, of consulting? You've consulted for the biggest companies in the world, most of them Fortune yeah. 500. You spoke for small businesses as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, How'd the whole thing start? Uh, okay, it started when I got married at 18 and had no education. There you go. Okay. Age 20, two kids. The world doesn't care. The needs of somebody 40. Nobody gives me a job. The only ones that give me a job, you can relate. Crazy entrepreneurs who give you, uh, <laughs> you know, corner and say, hey, kid, you can have a piece of whatever you, you know, you eat what you kill. Right. So when you only eat when you earn, you figure out what works and what doesn't and what works best. I was very transitory. I would stay in one industry short, short periods or do three things at a time because it was all commission. And I did it for about nine iterations. And after about that, I realized that people, Jordan, in one industry don't have a clue how people in another industry think, how they market business model, strategy, access vehicles, anything. And I was able to start borrowing very mundane approaches from this industry, apply it to industries that everyone else was doing, follow the herd. And we had advantage nobody else sure. knew. Boom. And everything started exploding. And I was this, you know, this uh, magic uh, wonder kid. It really wasn't me. It was that I just was able to borrow success approaches from all kinds of outside and then I started really studying it. We did Icy Hot. We did Entrepreneur Magazine. We did the gold business. And everywhere we did it, we did the same thing. We would take three or four techniques, approaches, strategies from outside the industry and apply it to industries where everyone was doing the same thing the same way. And we just killed it. And that was sort of it. And as I continued, I, I did lots of observation, lots of of distillation where I just kept learning what different industries have done. And now I've done, you know, 
geez, I've done a thousand industries. And then it got a little bit more cool because I also did about 250 experts and, and none of them came to me for help with their expertise. They wanted to model it. They wanted to monetize it better, elevate it better, uh, explain or demonstrate its value better. But I had to learn the essence of the expertise. Mm -hmm. So I mean, sitting in here is a lot of very, sure. very compact, uh, compressed, but very div diverse knowledge, if that helps. Yeah. So I think that what you're saying is I, I agree 100 percent that in fact, in my life, too, I've always had my little niches of taking one thing from one place, combining with other place. Right. And then crossing it together. Yeah. Right. Like, for instance, even the stocks, I worked at a big firm and yep. they were calling a certain group of people. The small firm is more. I said, wait a second. How Same come thing. On? How about if I'll take. Right. So you combine two industries Same together. Thing. Right? Give me give me like a concrete example here that you think would be applied to today of uh, one of your great sort of kind of, you know, as you say, you wouldn't call it a stroke of genius. Other people would. I wouldn't. You wouldn't because yourself, you're too, like, you know, you're kind of. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. But give me one that was a real well, big where you actually, you know, had an idea, took one thing from one yeah, place, yeah. and it worked. Well, I learned from Matt, one of my first, you'll like this because you might be too young, but do you remember I Jim, love hearing that, by the way. Do you remember Jimmy Ling, Ling Temkovat? What is it he was He was the first guy in stocks that that would take a company and break it into four or five other public companies and redeploy the asset. Mm. My first mentor was enthralled with him. And he taught, young. okay, well, I said, I'm older than you. Love it. So he, he learned redeployment, taking one thing and making it five things. Mm -hmm. So breaking up, spinning off. And yeah, yeah, and just creating value at will. So I'll give, you, I'll give you the greatest example of that early in my career. So- I was part of Entrepreneur Magazine when it started. Mm -hmm. Nobody even knew what the word entrepreneur meant. We sent out mailings with Webster's Dictionary definition and pronunciation because nobody knew what it was. Mm -hmm. When I started, the guy that started it basically had a vision of it being a membership-based organization. You paid 100 bucks, you got a plaque, you got some tchotchkes, you got, uh, that means crap and little trinkets for people who don't know it. You got... Every month, a magazine-formatted publication that would highlight one emerging small business opportunity. And it would talk about, you know, risk, investment, who the franchisers were, if you want to do it yourself, right, right. et cetera. And at the end of every month, it would just go into archive. And he had 35,000 subscribers paying or members paying 100 bucks, and it was very modest. But when I got there, he had almost 100 of these reports sitting in archive. I took the reports, I added to them boilerplate, just general stuff you need to know in business, how to hire an attorney, how to do uh, guerrilla marketing, and things like that, to get permits. And we created startup manuals and we sold 350,000 of them that first year at $39 a piece. And then I took the same things and I combined them into categories, uh, food related, automotive related, service related, low uh, income, low risk related, high yield, asset building. We just redeployed it and we sold that as the Entrepreneur Institute select collection for I think $300 a piece and we sold about 50,000 of those, all the same thing. Right. We just redeployed it. That's just a simple example. All right, just hold that thought for one moment here while we get a word in from our sponsors. All right, you're gonna love this one. Listen, for older guys like us, right? <laughs> what can I say here? This is a good one, right? You know, when you get older, 
it doesn't get harder and <laughs> <It gets> softer. <laughs> Which am I, what company am I talking about, everyone? You know, right? Blue Chew. Okay, come on. Here's the deal. I, I'm going to be honest, right? As I'm getting on in years, when I, when I used to get, get an erection when I was young, right? I mean, it was the sort of, you know, rock hard, you know, you know, balls up erection. Well, like I was coming to, I was coming to show my stuff right now. You get older. Admittedly, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's, it's, I can't get it up, but it's like, you know, whatever. It's just not quite, it doesn't have that, like, you know, the crack house door, the DEA using it as a battering ram. It doesn't have that sort of, you know, turgor pressure to really just like, you know, I mean, I love my wife, but I teach her a lesson once in a while, right? You know, I just show who's boss, right? And of course, when you guys are a little bit younger, you got to do that on a daily basis or forever hold your peace, right? You know, I'll, I'll be honest, back in the olden days, right? I think it was 95, I want to say 96, when they first invented, you know, the, the active ingredient from Viagra, right? The old stuff, right? They, that stuff was a breakthrough, right? That's old. It's outdated now. It takes a long time to hit you. That's the problem with it, by the way, the old stuff, right? See, Blue Chew, you can take on a full stomach, Blue is the modern day erection pill from the doctor. All right, this is from your doctor. Listen, let me let me just let me put it this way. Your dick will be so hard from this stuff, all right? That you could be, if you're in high school and you're taking the SATs, you could take your SATs with an erection. How about that? You maintain an erection. I'm not saying you want to do that. I think it might be distracting, but that's what this stuff is about. I mean, like, you could just be thinking about anything, okay? Hopefully nothing, nothing too deranged, but it's just like, bam, you are there, and it lasts for four to six hours. And by the way, there's another type of uh, blue chew that lasts for the whole weekend. All right? It's like, come on. You're like a superstar, right? This is great first date material, great second date material. Guys, I'm a big believer in this because I think what's worth doing is worth doing right, right? And there are some things in life that you want to make harder, <laughs> not, even, not softer, right? So Blue Chew is the solution to having, like, the greatest sex of your life. Seriously, it just is. Even if you only like the girl that much. I mean, it's just like, it's like just you're there. You're like just, you're just like representing as, you know, a guy, all right? And I know that sounds a bit weird, but it's the truth, all right? Now, I'll tell you some mistakes I've made in the past. Number one, if you try to get this stuff, like, cheaply from overseas, half the time, I'd say 70% of the time, it doesn't even work. They give you bogus stuff. What could be more embarrassing than, like, you pop the what the blue meanie and then nothing happens? You're like, I can't even get it up on... <laughs> it's, like, the most embarrassing thing in the world, right? So you don't want that to happen. So this Blue Chew, right? That's the brand. It's made right here in the good old USA, so you know... I said that, did I say that? U.S. of A, all right? Okay, I'm having a tough day today, right? Anyway, U.S. of A, so you know it's going to be pure, pure, pure. It's the real deal. Number two, you're getting it from a real doctor who you speak to from your house or anywhere. You don't have to go see a doctor. It's done over the phone. Totally convenient, confidential. Comes to your house, delivered in a brown wrapping. No one has to know what it is. Personally, I like the, I, I think they should change the box and make it blue. I think everyone should know who orders and stuff. It's like a badge of honor, I think. But hey, either way, they they keep it discreet so no one ever knows. And also, they don't share your data, your information. They don't call you nonstop. I made the mistake of ordering this stuff online, other stuff, right? And they, to this day, they still call me trying to sell me shit. 
You get it? The Indians from India. I'm talking about Indians from India, right? They never stop calling me. I have to get a second cell phone number because they call me so much, all right? That's nuts, all right? Here, you're getting the best product from a real licensed MD who makes sure that you have no you know, conditions that, that contraindicate this, right? So it's safe, all right? That's what I call a great deal. And ready for this? It's free. That's right. Because you're on my podcast, and I'm guessing they're selling a lot of the stuff on my podcast, as they should, right? They're giving my people a special deal here. It's free for the first time. So all you got to do is go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code WOLF, all right? And your first order is free. Free. All you pay is the shipping hand. It's like five dollars. All right. And you're gonna get all these free, like, you know, world-class erections. I think it probably makes it bigger. I mean, it makes your big digger. I think it makes mine bigger at least. Cause it's just like that. You know, there's always an extra half inch when you're really horny, right? Well, this is like that every single day. So, I mean, the benefits go on and on here, guys. So, in all seriousness, I mean, I'm talking to you guys. You know who you are, okay? All you sexually active guys and all you guys who want to be more sexually active and maybe you're worried that you won't perform. So let's be honest, let's just cut to the chase here, right? This is the real deal. You want this stuff. And given that it's free, say, what's the worst that can happen? Not a lot. You'll have the best sex of your life. You'll feel confident. You'll feel awesome. Just imagine uh, next week, you're in bed, no performance anxiety. You're knowing you're going to be a stud. And you're going to give the girl the, the bang of her lifetime, all right? And she'll love it too. Right? And I'm talking consensual sex here, guys, right? There's two parties have to agree, but in consensual sex, it's all good. And even if it's two guys, that's just as good too, right? Hey, for all you other even guys on guys, great. I'm a, I'm a fan too. Blue Chew is the real deal. All right. So again, bluechew.com, enter the promo code WOLF. It's free to try. So, you know, I say post them like, what do you think of your experience? I mean, it'll get nuts. So let's not do We know this stuff works. Everyone knows it works. All right. So, Enter it now, get your free sample, five bucks, you can't go wrong. That's bluechew.com. So I'm saying repurposing content yeah. in a sense, but repackaging yeah. it also, adding a bit yeah. on and sort of yeah. increasing the value, right? The, yeah. and the perceived the value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the, the thing that's important was we took a company that was doing less than a million, we got it to nine million, but almost all the nine million was profit because it wasn't it wasn't top line it was almost all bottom sure. line and we had almost no embedded cost in anything but the main membership so that was sort of cool what year was that now 77 77 how you know listen obviously there's massive differences today with the internet right what do you think the the the, the biggest difference today doing business today then back kind of before the internet in terms of, you know, obviously, I mean, I don't, simple, that's small, now you advertise, yeah, but in terms of like, you know, for, for people getting into business right now, what's the, the, the main difference in terms of how you position a brand or you think it's really the same thing, just moved into a different medium? Well, I mean, there's a certain advantage, a certain disadvantage. The consumer can't discriminate between you in a little uh, office or me being a huge corporation. So you really have great advantage, number one. The small number, company. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have great advantage, number one. Number two is if you understand the ability, you can reach people in a very select manner. So that's really cool. Number three, if you understand once you bring them in the door, you have an, an infinite number of of expanded products and services you can sell. So one sunk cost can make you a lot of money on the back end, which I think is really cool. Number three is uh 
you know, you've got a lot of different social media that if you can master it, can monetize really well. You can turn yourself into an iconic person pretty easily in your in your sector. I think that uh, that's the good news. The bad news is I don't think most people doing it from scratch really understand the depth of strategy. I think a lot of people go into it tactically. They sort of try to do one thing and they don't really build an enduring business. They're sort of building a, a short, a, oh, I guess it's called an elongated promotion. And I don't know that you're building much of anything that has asset value. Uh, I think that a lot of, of mature companies are more intimidated by it than they have to be. I think it's actually a cool way to reach different segments of your market. It's a great way to endear yourself. I think one of the fa the fallacies is that people say you're all connected. I don't think most people know how to really bond yourself. I don't think most people allow themselves to have a relationship with with the other side. And when you do that, I think you own the mind share. But I think it's it's not just an art form in science. It's a byproduct of really having a regard for the people you're dealing with. And that takes somebody who's really committed to value creation. I, mean, I don't know if I'm giving you answers you want to hear or not. No, no, no. Well, no, you give me a lot of information. So let, let me, let's slow it down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, go ahead. So one thing you said, I think you're focusing on the fact that um, there's a very big difference between being connected to someone by ones and zeros versus using those ones and zeros to create an emotional connection. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah. We're working on a book, which may or may never come out. And, and the working title, well, it's been working on for two years. But the working title is Relevancy Rules. And it's a double entendre. One of it is relevancy is the foundational font of everything we do. The other is here's the rules for it. But the premise is every interaction you and I have, everything you do or don't do, everything you say or don't say, has the ability to either enhance or diminish your relationship with someone else. And normally it's the latter. It's, you know, every time you have an interaction, you can screw it up more than you're going to. In and people don't understand that you have all these different categories of networks, not networking, but you got business networks, you got social networks, you got vendor networks, you got colleague networks. And each one is dynamic. It's changing all the time. If I send you a text and you don't respond to me, I can be really pissed, even though you might not have seen it. You might be busy, might have gone if it's a you know, if it's an email, might have gone into right. you're, or you're, you're traveling somewhere. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or if you and I and I'm not trying, is profanity not allowed on your web? Is, is it okay? Fucking a, it is. Okay, good. So if you and I are talking and you say something and I'm sort of kidding and I say, oh fuck you, Jordan. It's one thing, but if I send you a text that says fuck you, it could be very offensive. Right. And people don't understand that. You Tonality, this, yeah, yeah. context. But you have this dynamism going on all the time that has to be monitored, measured. Oh, for example, you're a friend. I'm a friend. You can call me and say, Jay, will you do me a favor? Sure. That's cool. My pleasure. But if you call me the next day and ask me to do you a favor and the next day to ask you to do you a favor, all of a sudden you're an intrusive, you know, you're, 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 you're somebody I don't want in my life. Your whole stature your whole relevancy just went down the drain. Mm -hmm. People, I mean, I'll give you an even worse one. My brand has been elevated to such a uh, a level that anytime anybody meets me, their expectation is I'm going to blow their mind. I'm going to spew brilliance. I'm going to have answers that are unbelievable. If I'm having a bad day or if my answers are cool but they're simplistic, 
I may never get another chance. If I'm not good on the rest of this interview, you may cut it and say, why in the hell did we bring Jay on? He wasted our opportunity cost. You fucking look good, buddy. I'll I, tell you that. I do. If nothing more. Even I if you do. screw the pooch today, I Jay, do. That's I'm sure right. you won't. You look good. And by the way, yes. I, I want to talk about that because part of who you are is just a certain persona to you. I mean, you look at you. I look like a cheap... I, I look like you just but got washed up. The, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I have a, you know, I'm fortunate in the sense that I have a, a built-in sort of, yeah. you know, a yeah, big you, thing. Right? I got very lucky, right? Um, but no, but in, in all seriousness, though, there's a certain way that you carry yourself, right? The way you groom yourself. Um, that's pretty, um, I would call it impressive. In other words, it impresses upon the person that sees you that A, you got your shit together. B, that you know what you're talking about. See that you're wise. In other words, there's, wa- there's wisdom to the way. There's some wisdom to the way you. I'm being honest with you. I'm no, not, no, no. no. I think, yeah, I think, and it's it's not it's not accidental. I think exactly. I on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I personify a lot of gravitas. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it, and it's 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 manifest by two things. One, uh, I, you know, I know my shit. You know, I've been there, done that. I can talk about almost anything. I can go deep. I mean, you can, we're, we're, we're on outer periphery, but if you want me to tell great stories, it'll blow people's mind from, it'll, I can do it all day long. I can look at anything. And it's not me being arrogant. It's being clinical. But when you got that knowledge, you don't have to, you don't have to bullshit. But right. secondly, I need to command authority in what I do. And I think I'd like to hope my demeanor, my, my you know, I, I can pull off loud clothes and look, distinguished how about mm-hmm. that yeah 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 well i mean it's loud but it's also it's is there's loud then there's loud obnoxious and then there's loud that actually is congruent with everything else about you so yes. so because there are some people like for instance i'll tell you what bothers me please there not about you but in general is i think that there's a lot of people that are using um the online world the ability to market to position themselves as experts when they're not really experts. I would agree wholeheartedly. And and part of what they do is they use clothing, mm-hmm. they use cars, they have props, and they don't forget hot girls and hot girls. <laughs> yeah, right, hot girls, and and um and they separate people from their money, and 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 it b- bugs me because. I think one thing I, I know I am is the real deal when it comes to what I teach. I agree. And that's I which is why I stick to what I know. And those I when you were, even when we were talking before and you were saying what else, I said, no, this is I'm focusing on what I am the best at in the world. Yeah. I'm not out there teaching marketing. You're a marketing expert. Thank you. Okay. I'm a sales expert. Yes. Those two are very distinct things that work Absolutely. hand in hand with one another. Absolutely. Agree. Right. And yeah. any great company has both of those, yeah. right? In fact, and that brings us to a good spot. Let me ask you a question. In your opinion, tell me how would you distinguish marketing versus sales? Uh, I think marketing is is it's basically the macro ability to create in the mind of the audience an awareness of either a very clear cut either need or desire that they see the value of being filled and they see that a company, your company is the source of filling it most effectively, viably, exclusively, and they want that desire filled by you immediately. And then the selling, I think, is what basically delivers on that. But I think the macro is what the marketing does. So the, the marketing is, is essentially, like I guess when I look at marketing, I consider marketing from my perspective yes. I, and from a business perspective strictly um, 
identifying who my best buyers are okay. and trying to bring them into my sort of purview, my funnel, yeah, whatever yeah, it might yeah, be. Yeah, 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 whether yeah. it's a store they walk in, whatever it might be, right? Yeah, yeah. In a cost-effective manner. So that's a clinical, like, basic... Yeah, but see, I will take it a little bit more... Sure. So I look at what's the big strategy, what's the business model, what's the game you're playing, what stage one's supposed to get you to, you know, where are you so taking this? Are you playing this game as a cash flow game, as an asset game? Are you playing it for to get to, you know, to five other transactions? So I don't look as much at the 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 selling. That's a very I, simplistic overview. I yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. So, so I'm looking say, at what game are we playing right, and why, and what right. game should we be playing, and will the same effort, time, opportunity, cost, capital, human capital produce a far greater yield, either in cash and in asset, both of those, and what else can you do with it? But I'm not as I'm not going to go as granular into selling. In other words, so let's say, as let's say from a a business person, yeah. young entrepreneur, I have a yeah. lot, very young audience, sure. got older people too. You're great too, yeah. right? We're old, you yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. right? Anyway, but um, in other words, so if you if you let's see, I I believe that every young entrepreneur should be proficient at both, and whichever you're not, if you're weak at something, you hire people to help you become more of an expert and stuff, right? Yeah, and I was going to interrupt you, but I believe that everyone in their organization that has any interaction with their consumer needs to be trained in selling as well. Right, on both both sides, right? Anybody who answers the phone, anyone who delivers the product, the customer service, they all should be integrated in selling because they all have an impact on that buyer pre and post purchase. So let's say you're, so from your perspective, what do you look at when you go, so let's say from the more sheer marketing perspective, let's leave sales out of it right yeah, now, right? Okay. When you go consult for a company, right? Yeah, what's yeah. your strategy? Like when you walk in the door, $5 million, $6 million comes small coming, right? Yeah, yeah, Under yeah. $10 million, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you, what are the things that you're looking for when you walk in the door? Like, what, is there some sort of strategy yeah. that you have? What's the strategy you run? Well, okay. I'm going to give it to you in parts. So I break it in two parts. First of all, I want to know what they're doing why they're doing it, how they're doing it, and how it's doing. Okay? So I break it into two parts. First, I'd call uh, uh, maximizing what they're doing, even if I think it's stupid as hell because it's driving the business. And if you're running shitty ads or you're running, uh, you know, stupid, it's selling anything you're doing, I'm going to make it better so it'll throw off more cash Mm -hmm. that I can use to replace, expand, fortify, and bring on higher-performing uh, activities, but at first, first I want to see what you're Hence doing. Not throwing the baby out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No matter how bad so, it is, yeah, yeah. At least first, I'm going to make it better. Triage, make it better. Exactly. Right? Touche. Thank right. you. Okay, sure. Then I'm going to try to figure what in that. Why are you playing this game? You know, why you why are you going? Why are you calling cold if you could have a partner that already gets you access? Why are you selling uh, the first time a four thousand dollar item if you could be selling a twenty five and get ten times more? Why are you selling to this niche? If you could be selling five times more to this, mm-hmm. I then I go through a strategic. So you're looking strategically, yeah. essentially, and then I chop, a pathway. Yeah, yeah, yeah everything. Yeah. And and you may or may not remember my. You know, I, I've given birth to lots of things. One of them is uh, is the three way to grow business model, which is how you work on the geometry of a business. But the other is what you call the power of Parthenon. I want to establish as many as eight different access vehicles to reach the market to either monetize or strategically uh, uh, establish your brand. And I want to hit the market, you know, direct, indirect partners, 
uh, you know, all kinds of different ways so that I'm enveloping the market and it's sort of the positive Chinese water torture. Right. So they, they so layman's terms, someone, they turn to the left, they see about your product, they yeah. turn to the right, they hear about your product. Yeah, yeah. Whoever they respect is talking about your product, you know, that you brought, I mean, it just, so I want to see how, uh, how embraceable that company or the owner is to really wanting to, to take the business and blow it up to really to what it's, and I want to see what their internal capacity is to grow it. So I think it correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like what you do is that you, if you go to a company, you, you really can't help yourself. You won't just look at marketing. You have to look at the no, whole organism. It's everything. You have to, yeah. right? Because nothing exists in a vacuum, right? Yeah. People mistakenly, some say I'm a, a marketing. You're a business strategist, really. Actually, yes, but I'm a growth strategist. But I think what I'm best at is what I call being a masterful thinking partner, knowing all the integrative and all the nuances and how it how this action affects that. And not just the external transaction, but what it requires internally and also how it's going to change the mind. You know, Because you probably, the same as I, I've made so many people massive successes. They imploded you know they you know they started believing their own yeah. rhetoric they bought a 40 billion dollar house and went broke you know they got divorced three times i've been divorced three times twice so uh, maybe i'm a hypocrite <laughs> but yeah so but that notwithstanding it's a badge but, of honor yeah yeah <laughs> but i have enough experiences from enough facets of the business continuum to say okay let's look at all the implications and what's really going on in the mind of you know, if, for example, if you're going to teach someone how to do your business, make a damn sure you're not building your competitor. All these things that you have to do that are strategic, protective, contingent, probable outcome, forks in the road, all that stuff. What do you see? I know I'm being abstract, so take me to okay. more granularity. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to say, send so, so now with that in mind, though. I got some great stories. What, uh, well, let's tell some stories. But what, I want to know what's the, the common, so you, what do you see? Again and again, what are the common big misses from a lot of you know? I think yeah, sure. what's I think what's happening is that there's a very easy model out there. There's like a very straightforward model they teach. You know, you develop a personal brand. You know, monetize. You have an expertise. Nicheify it. Yeah, reach yeah, out yeah, these yeah, people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they and it's this laser guided business that can get you to make yeah. half a million million bucks a year, right? Mm -hmm. But as you said, you're not building an asset. It's really nothing. Else. So what's the big misses that you're seeing that you again and again when you walk at the companies? Well. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. Absolutely. Boy, you know? okay, first thing is, well, ninety-nine percent of all small companies under fifty or hundred million, they're tactical. They're not strategic. They don't even know what strategy is. Number one. Number two, is the strategy they're following is so suboptimal because they don't have a context. Everyone in that industry is doing the same thing. They don't have any idea of higher, better, yielding uh, strategies, business models, how they could make. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. I was doing something a couple of days ago for a group and we had a very high level guy selling uh, selling uh, health supplements and he was doing weight loss. And he was complaining about something and I said, well, how, ma how many products do you sell? And he goes, well, I sell this supplement, this ingestible. I said, why just that? And he goes, well, that's what I do. And I said, yeah, but your market is not just, I said, they're not just gonna buy a supplement, they're gonna buy a book, they're gonna buy equipment, they're gonna buy online training, they're gonna buy portion control food. Why wouldn't you sell all that to them since you already have them and you've sunk the cost in knowing them and you know they're gonna buy it anyhow. Right. And he said, well, it's not what I do. And I said, it's just not what you're doing. 
You want to optimize this thing. You want to envelop your market. But people don't think in terms of the totality of the profit opportunity and how to preserve cost through a pathway, basically. Yeah, but also how to, you know, how to turn that into a lifetime buyer instead of instead of a static one. Uh, also, this is probably not going to surprise you because you're very analytical. But 99% of all entrepreneurs never reach their goal. Because they don't have goals. They have these abstract desires. I want to make a million dollars. They don't reverse engineer it. They don't know what you know, what has to happen. And if this doesn't happen, I have a hedge. Also, most of them don't understand lifetime value. And and I'm going to give you, you're going to like this, two, two, uh, you know, excuse me, uh, two-dimensional thinking versus three-dimensional thinking. Uh, they also don't have any idea of allowable cost. I'll tie it all together. Sure. Okay. So two-dimensional thinking is when you look at uh, at uh, cost, I mean, revenue less cost, result is profit. Three dimensionals when you look at what's the residual yield I'm going to get out of this investment, out of this acquisition of this buyer. Not just what I'm going to make now, but how mm-hmm. many times I'm going to make it. What's the lifetime value? When you look at lifetime value, this is where it gets really interesting. I, I think it's interesting. So most people who allocate anything to marketing will say, I'm going to give 5% of of revenue, or I'm going to put, uh, uh, I'm going to put an arbitrary ten thousand dollars a month. Both of those are wrong. You're either spending too little or too much. Each category has an infinite allowable budget when you understand what they're worth. There's something called allowable cost. All buyers aren't the same. All sources aren't the same. A buyer from a certain magazine or online uh, platform may be worth more or less initially, more or less residually. A certain kind of buyer is going to be worth more. So you can afford to not pay but invest more or less in acquiring when you know all that they're worth. And every time you add one more dimension, one more buying uh, cycle, one more easy entry, you change all of those dynamics, sometimes doubling. You might double your ability you know, to market if you had one more entry level or you had one more expensive uh, addition. Most people don't realize how much more you can get out of unsold prospects, opt-ins, leads, because they are very limited playing just a singular game, which is their own business, their own product, their own service. I mean, who's I an example of someone that does this really well? Or a comp- big company? Well, I or- think Amazon does it pretty damn well. But uh, I can give you some of my own history if sure, you yeah. want to. Yeah, Please. sure. Okay. So, I agree, Amazon. I would say Amazon. Yeah. One thing to do a one-click buying. Yeah, made, right? but, but they crisscross pollinate you everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and if you like this, you like that. Mm-hmm. And if you like this book, you might like this product. If you like this product, you might like. Right. It. Okay, so uh, I'll give you a fun story that is just going to give you a different way of nonlinear thinking. Uh, so uh, a few years ago, I was in Australia. You've been in Australia. And I had a client that was selling very high end CRM. Uh, to entrepreneurs, and they ran ads in every uh, every trade magazine, and they were getting approximately. My stories are going to be accurate. I can't remember all the specifics. About a thousand leads a month, and they were converting about three percent. And the 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 uh, solution was high enough; they were making profit on it. But I looked at it and I said, "You're wasting." They were spending about a hundred grand a month. You're wasting ninety seven thousand dollars a month, and people aren't responding because they're not interested in CRM. CRM is not an exciting thing for them to. Respond means they have a problem. Your product either costs right, too much, right, is right. too many bells and whistles. I said, let's find somebody 
out there who's got a CRM and is selling three of them a month, but it's a entry level, let's either get the rights to it or uh, an, uh, you know license for an application, put some bells and whistles. And do, we did it. It was a, a $10,000 one. We started offering that to the 97% of the people that didn't buy. We made more money from the non-buyers and the buyers, and the buyers became all profit. So it was a downsell. And it was downsell a, and upsell, yeah. but it was just understanding that which is pretty interesting. I was in the investment. You were in stocks. I was in gold, silver, rare coins, gold stocks, collectible guns, uh, duck decoys. And what we found was, and also, well, I was also with entrepreneur, with entrepreneur. Entrepreneur was a fascinating realization for me. People who were interested in biz op were interested in career training. They were interested in commodities. They were interested in option trading. They were interested in franchising. Mm -hmm. Anything that would make them fast, easy, quick money. Right. But most people would just do one thing. I basically got control of all those things, and we would redeploy everybody 10 times over and make a fortune on the, on, on the same buyer. When I was in the gold business, we started by selling them silver because that was very low risk. Then after they bought silver, we'd upgrade them to gold. Right. After they got gold, we give them junk coin. Yeah, we sell them after big we stocks. Coin, we then go, yeah, I know, but it, most people <laughs> don't do that. Then we go to like expensive <laughs> collectibles. Then we go to gold stocks. Then we'd go to, like a, uh, to collectibles. Modified loss leader strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And and most people wouldn't wouldn't even think of that. Yeah. But we made a fortune on a very low yielding three percent, right, right, right. you know, delivers you know yeah. delivered silver buyer. But it's all understanding what you can do right. with a buyer. We would start off with Eastman Kodak. Yeah, 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 yeah. We got stories. You know, we could laugh our asses off for you know for hours. Isn't it incredible how well that works though? It, 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 what, why do you think? What is it about human psychology? You know, from the sales perspective, I you know it's for me it's very simple. You know, it's about trust. You know, I have these you know way I explain it to a salesperson. From a marketing perspective, what do you think it is that makes people like they would never buy one thing from someone yet if they just bought one simple thing first? It's yep. a complete. Why does that pendulum of trust swing so quickly and well, violently? They have an unrelenting unsatisfied satisfied desire that can't possibly be filled by the promise that not that's being made but that they're no, they, that they, they're imputing yeah yeah they're thinking it's, it's like going to make them a million dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's uh, like the bernie madoff why yeah, did yeah, people, yeah. Yeah, yeah but but with bizop or anything that's like that when they realize oh gee it takes time you got you got to put money in you go negative you got to work your ass off there's a 95% chance it may both, they go, I don't want that. I want something else. And they, they keep looking for Mr. Goodbar. Okay. Yeah. They keep looking, but that's the first thing. Second, if they don't have a, I mean, most people that I was in the, the information selling before lots of people, 95% of the people that used to buy books, tapes, CDs, never even opened them. It was basically a mental insurance policy. So they knew that someday in the future, if they wanted to, it was there. And it was confidence. It, it satisfied a sense of, let's say, uh, weakness or uh, a vulnerability or a gap in them. And they knew that if they ever wanted to be successful, it was right here. It's almost and, like when I pay my my therapist, I never show up. I only give the guy the hundred bucks a week. I'm like, yeah. I'm making progress. Can I tell <laughs> you my therapist story because you laugh. <laughs> yeah. you, you and I have. So I've got I got started at 18, and I've had three midlife crises. Right. One at 40 because I made all this money and I was miserable and I couldn't understand why, and and got a really bad divorce. One at 50, same thing, and the last one at 60. At at 
at 40 and 50, I was pissed because I'm in, I'm in the therapist's office. We're almost on the precipice of a breakthrough. And the guy goes, well, your 55 minutes is over. We'll have to continue next week. And I go, you know, we're almost there. So the last one, I bought him for the whole week. And it was hilarious because I said, okay, if I can't come, if I, I'm going to send you my friends who are screwed up who would never go. And you're going to treat them. And it was hilarious because I would send all these crazy people just to see how the therapist would deal with it. It was hilarious. But I got a lot out of it because I talked it through for about four or five hours and and came to a I came to an understanding which you'll like, and and you you you'll get a kick out of this if you want to hear what cost me a half million dollars. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell everybody. I'll throw it away. It's so the majority of people in life are they're they're obsessed with an end product. They want to make uh, you know millions of dollars. They want to have the fastest growing company. They want to have the hottest looking wife. They want. Uh, no disrespect, the biggest dick. They they want uh, you know more toys, and if they're expecting when they achieve that alone that the heavens are going to open, the angels are going to sing, you know, Nirvana's going to everything's going to change, people are going to genuflex. Nothing happens. You got more problems. What life is all about is the process. This conversation is as good as it gets, and you're stimulating and fun, and we respect each other, we're having fun, we can go as deep as we want, you can interpret my abstraction, mm. but it's no different if you're sitting talking to somebody at a bus stop. They have hopes, dreams, and they're fascinating. When I travel, I go to Asia all the time, and I have the greatest fun. I, uh, I fly a very nice airline, and I drink, so the first... The first day I'm hydrating. Singapore or? Yeah, Singapore. I like I Singapore. Singapore. I do too. And so I go to Singapore and I drink. Double beds in the fright. Yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You get those sweet. It's yeah. good. It's good. They got hot looking women. And and they, and they, they can't say that she's 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 a flight attendant. But they're, they got, they're oh, up right. like, yeah, they're, they're, they got the clothes up to here, but they still look hot and sexy. Anyhow, that, that, that was. That reserved sexy look. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And they act like, burst they out act like, yeah, 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 yeah. They're all skinny like that. Anyhow, so. I get there and I'm, I'm I'm hungover, so I basically hydrate. But then the next day I get up and I go into the hotel and I sit in the lobby and I smile at all these frowners until they smile back. <laughs> then I get on the elevator. You want to have, uh, you want to really screw with people and have fun. Stand on the elevator by the door looking in. People don't know how to handle it and smile. Really, it's hilarious until they smile back because, and then I get off on all the floors and I talk to everybody and it's uplifting, but. Most people don't have a lot of fun living their life, I don't think. I have a complete different perspective on Asia and the elevator. So, uh, you know, I went to Asia. It was Hong you Kong. Went a lot. A lot. I was in Hong Kong. I'm in the elevator, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, this feels fucking good. I'm actually tall. I'm fucking <laughs> Motherfucker, oh, like, yeah. fuck, yo, I yo. Agree, yeah. I now I know what it's like. This is fucking good shit. I'm like, I could move here. I never have to work. I'm just fucking tall now. I was amazing. It was on a feeling. I felt yeah. empowered, inspired, right? I was like, looking down up here. How you doing there? Nice. Now I know what it's like, you know? That's funny. <laughs> I'll give you a, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. We can one up. I'll give you another Asian insight. It's pretty interesting. I'm very popular in China, Vietnam. You, you are too. But the reason I'm popular is education. Their education, by and large, is rote training. It's memorization. So if I say to somebody in Asia, uh, what's 10 plus 7 minus 6 divided by 8, square root, they'll go like that. But if I say 
this is to this <laughs> as this is no to what? No critical thinking, yeah. Yeah, no critical strategic thinking. If you teach them, because they got a great work ethic. They do, yeah. But they don't know how to harness it any way but tactical. I've been very blessed because when you teach them uh, strategic and, and critical thinking, they just blow it wide open. And that, and that to me has been very fascinating. Anyhow, it's just a no. I, I said I've been there, you know, all over Asia. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, it always kind of freaks me out, though. It's like people stand a bit closer together. Like the body language is a little bit, a little bit different there. But it is. Um, but I think it's because they have to be so aggressive to either get noticed or just get whatever. So I think there's more internal aggressiveness. It makes New York seem calm. You know, let me let me, let me ask you a question. Total big picture now, right? What do you think about the whole trade war between the United States and China? And where do you, do you think it had to happen? Do you think that um, on some level there need to be some resets of the line in the sand? Do you think it's foolish? Do you think it's ego on Trump's part? you think it's ego on China's part? You're putting part? me in a what? very awkward position. I might polarize. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, no, I to polarize. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think two things. I think the way it was done was... Uh, was uh, uh, really promiscuous and uh, very jeopardizing to everything. I very you, you and I both have experienced. I mean, if you go to China, there's probably 80 million copies of my book that yeah, have been sold. No, I've made two thousand dollars royalty. Yeah, it's very annoying, and that, and that tears you apart. Intellectual property, yeah, you yeah, just horrible, horrible. Huge I, so I agree on that. But when you realize the fact that that they are a very relevant factor in the world order and it's not going to go away especially when like in like oh, yeah. should we go to like other parts of the yeah. world so yeah. hey africa yeah. australia right oh yeah oh yeah it's yeah, very but, you know there there's we were at a conference at a hedge fund conference and they were talking about that 80% of the phones in africa are made in china in in europe i mean and and just places we we live in such a a Almost disgusting bubble. Bubble that we think we're so Center superior. The, no, I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, I get no, it. But I think it's. I think the way it was done is is crass, wrong, and I think the repercussions will be very severe. That's my feeling. What do you think? Well, I think there's different parts, and I think the intellectual property. Well, it's disgusting. Had, had something had to go give I agree. there. Okay, I agree. Not just with books, but with everything, military, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything. Just yeah. like the, the lack of respect for intellectual property. Um, I, I think the problem I have is I think that a lot of politicians in the past, I don't know. Listen, you know, China was facing huge hurdles. They had this massive population, most of which is a lot of which is still in poverty. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, they, and you have to say two things about China. Number one, they never attack anybody. No. Who have they ever, you know, say what you want about China, but they're not going to war with anybody. Yeah, maybe they, okay, they're totalitarian. All right, fine. You know what? I agree. I've been there. It's, you know, whatever. It is what it is, right? Yeah. But the point is they're not, they're a very peaceful country. They yeah. don't, right? So, like, well, I don't. They're very methodical. I don't consider them a threat yeah. to the world, China. They're thousand-year thinkers. Right, exactly. So I'll be dead by then, so what do yeah. I care, right? No, no. but the point <laughs> is, no, but the point is, like, I don't see, so I, I respect China in that sense, that they're not out there warmongering, right? Yeah, Even though like, they want to have their military built, fair enough, right? Um, I, I think that while it's, I think that the U.S. has done very, has had a lot of 
really um, subpar politicians that have sold us down the river. Not specifically with China. So I don't, I don't think it's like directed. China is now the gorilla today. The problem is, is that I think the, the mistakes that were made with U.S. foreign trade policy yes. go back for decades, decades, decades. Right now, and now you're like it's China's fault right yeah, now yeah, yeah. when it's really the sum of like so many years. Yeah. You could look at NAFTA and say the same thing. You could look at any of the trade agreements, right? So I think that something had to happen. But I think the problem, you know what Trump is like? He's like the unfunny comic. It's like, <laughs> it, no, it's like anyone else could do the same, say the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't cause repercussions. Yes. But somehow, you know, so I don't, I, I believe that that's not the best communication style when you cause ripples. Because I think there's a way of doing it, the way you could accomplish the same thing without pissing a lot of people off or half the country off. But I think that something had to happen, especially on the intellectual properties. Like that's what really bothered there. me. I don't disagree there. You know, so, but on the, on the trade, I listen, I, I was interviewed by TMZ at the airport and I was wrong. Okay, tell me. I was wrong. I said it was, uh, I'll admit this, I said a year ago, they said, what do you think about the trade? I said, it'll never happen. Because I really didn't think, I, I, yes. I was, because I thought it was dangerous. Yes. So when they asked me, I said, ah, oh, it's just blustering. You'll never really get this. I did not think, it would get this far. That's what I said. I said it, but it's on. You can Google it. And I was wrong. I mean, I, I did not think that they would take it this far because it's very dangerous when you have tariffs on top of tariffs on top of tariffs because you go back to Smoot-Hawley and you see all the stuff that happened back I then, agree. right? And it can end up in a very bad situation. So I wonder, I don't really know, yet in the same token, look at the trade deficit we're running all over the world, which is somewhat of an outcome of being... I think uh, you know, a consuming nation versus a producing nation. That's, That's the right. evolution of any modern Absolutely. country. You're right. You know, people we're lazy compared to people that will work for less money. You're right. right. So, what's the solution? To you? I don't know. What do you think the solution is? It's not a trade war, right? So, let's say I don't think a trade war works for anyone. It's no, no one doesn't help anyone, right? But what's the solution to this? Well, politically, I don't know that I I know that, but I think uh, economically, it's going to be forced to create far more and far better entrepreneurs. Don't you think? I think it has to. And I'm talking, I mean, I mean, like in terms of for the, for, like, oh. I'm thinking as a country. Oh, like what geez. do you think? I'm scared for our country. Well, I'll tell you what. I I tell you what bothers me, and it doesn't matter your political uh, beliefs. I think collaboration has been totally lost. I don't think the the idea of unification exists anymore in this country, and I think that's tragic. Give me an example. Well, I think that basically the best interest of the country is not really what politicians are focused on there you know they have their factions they have their their constituents they have if you're if you're a republican you're horrible if you're a democrat you're horrible you know i don't it, uh, wasn't, like, that's disgusting. it wasn't like that when we were growing up it was not it was a different so there, there were there world. were mixed opinion but there was the collaboration for the betterment of the strength and the integrity and and the the value of this country and its ideals I think those have been thrown away. I mean, I don't know if I'm giving you the answer you want, but no, I think no, it's, I want, want, to want your opinion is all I want. Well, um, and you I, and I both have something. Excuse me for interrupting uh, you, but we have children. We're not going to be around that long, so I mean, I'm not trying to to shorten either of our lives, but our kids are going to have to inherit. You know, they're going to inherit. You know, whatever happens, and I think it could be very, very horrific. Uh, you have a beach house here. I have a beach house in Capistrano Beach. Bought it 30 years ago. Great. When I bought it, I bought it because it was the closest to the water, 50 feet. And we could jump off the uh, the deck on the sand. Today, the sand is 14 feet lower and the water is right 
at the house. If you're visiting or you're or you're my guest, that it would is, freak me out. By the way, it well, it's very dramatic. But if you own the place, it, it's and and you're seeing all this wealth sort of being ch- challenged, and there's nowhere to go with it. It scares the shit out of you. So yeah. there's lots of things happening, which I think I think it's going to all come together in a uh, like a Mister Toad's wild ride. Really? Yeah. I do. I mean, ecologically, political, the whole yeah. thing is. I, think, I mean, something is happening right now, or something is. There's something that I um, have Great never felt before. No, discomfort in the country, in the world, that just seems like that it can't keep going at the way it's going right now. Something, there's got to be some event. And I don't, I don't know what that is, or maybe I'm just yeah. being. Uh, no, no, uh, they near very right. I'm very fixed. As I've gotten older, when you get older, two things become more evident. Your humility, obviously your mortality, and your humanity. I think that humanity has almost been thrown out the window. It's very scary. It's very scary. You know what? I mean, it's like I've always, I was raised, so um, my parents are very, very liberal, right? Okay. And I grew up, went out into the world as a business person, fiscally conservative and socially liberal. Okay. That's right. how I was raised. Okay. All right. And, and then my, my parents are just liberal. I was yeah. basically, I came up being a conservative person fiscally and very liberal socially. I don't okay. care who you fuck, who you're with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 got, I got it. It's only going to hurt someone else. What do I care? Yeah, yeah. Right. But I, you know, I do believe in financial empowerment and I believe in things like work fair versus welfare. But I understand people need a hand. That's my own beliefs. And I'm, but the thing is, here's what freaks me out. Is that I'm okay with everyone else's beliefs. I'm not saying I'm right. Yeah. I'm just saying it's my beliefs. And the problem is, is that I, I'm seeing like there's a lack of tolerance right as now. As long as they don't impose them on you in any kind of a restrictive or a punitive way. Yeah, I think everybody has the right to within, feel, believe, yeah, right? And yeah, then, absolutely. And, I, and what's driving me, it's freaking me out right now, is it seems like the discourse is no longer a discourse that doesn't result in just name calling and labeling. I agree. I agree. And it's just weird. I don't know. I'm just, you know, you've been around even longer than I have. And, and I just remember that when I was in my 20s and 30s and even my 40s, it wasn't like this. It just, no. something has shifted. Well, I got started in the newsletter business in the 70s and, you know, libertarians, Austrian economics, but they did it, they did it with diplomacy, so to speak. They did it. It wasn't. It wasn't violent. Yeah, it wasn't acrimonious. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't uh, uh, volatile. It was. You know. It was. Was organized. But it was. I mean, I, I don't have a reference model for today. I, I, I think that on some level, we're, get, we're getting to some point here, which is right in your sweet spot, by the way. All right. Okay. Because no, because I'm, br- I'm bringing this whole thing to a point that I think a lot of this has to do with what's going on in the world of social media and online. And I, I think it's created this vicious echo chamber with algorithms that are letting you see only what they think you want to see. So everyone's views keeps getting more distorted and polarized. Notice if I'm clicking on certain things, I have a pre, let's say I have a predisposition to a certain viewpoint. So yes. I click on those links and say, oh, he likes that stuff. If we, if we show more, that stuff will stay along, we can sell more ads and shit, right? So, so what ends up happening, you start thinking it it's almost becomes this exaggerated version of your own initial 
predispositions because, well stated. and that's like it's and, and it's dangerous. And I think it's and I just saw this the great hack. I don't know if you saw this documentary yeah. about you know what happened with the Cambridge Analytica and stuff. And it just seems like that at the root of a lot of this. I've seen it happen with myself, my wife, our own view. I, I watch my own views yes. be manipulated, and then I, I'm like, holy shit! Like, yeah, and, I, and you know it's happening. I had to catch still, myself. I guess saying, what am I doing? I understand? And because you start only seeing what they think you want to see. That's right. And and you start you start seeing relevancy in areas, people, things that really aren't relevant. It's you are because I mean by repurposing things and by I mean all of a sudden you see something all the time and you go wow that must right. be important exactly he must be important right. and and it's all illusory and facade but it's uh, it's scary is probably the wrong word. Troubling is the wrong word. It is very, it's not heinous, but what would I call it? It is so profoundly dangerous to, I mean, the well-being and the, you know, and of, of I think, society. So let me, let's look at the, uh, the bright side of this whole thing, okay, right? Smile, no, there's a bright smile. side. No, there's a bright Sometimes side. Smiley face. No, ready? No, I have an inter interesting take on that. So I, I think that there's not a person an educated person or soulful person alive that doesn't kind of agree with us that there's something weird yeah, going on. Fundamentally, there's I something agree. something fundamentally wrong, right? So that would be probably the greatest problem facing the world right now. And in terms of what we do, what we get paid for, entrepreneurs get paid for solving problems. That's right. So there must be business opportunities right now because of this. I, there's got to be some great niche markets out there for entrepreneurs because if everyone's feeling this way. I wonder what this, there's got to be little, I'm not saying there's one all-encompassing solution, but I wonder someone like you with your brain and your ability to go and look at things strategically, I wonder if there isn't some amazing opportunities out there, given all the unrest and, and the polarization to sort of come in there and solve, maybe not solve the whole problem, but to address the problem. What do you think about that? I, I think you're on the, you're right on the money, but there are a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of vehicles trying to do that. I'm uh, sadly not as influential as I'd like to be, but I'm on, I'm on the uh, advisory panel of an organization called Kairos Society. You know what that is? No. So it's an organization that has relationships around the world with the top 100 B schools, and they try to uh, identify and support uh, young technological entrepreneurs who are coming up with big solutions to uh, big world problems that can be successfully monetized in a profitable way. That's sort of interesting. A lot of the platforms are trying to stimulate people to come up with great solutions to problems and they're going to their own peers to fund it. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, my, my work is very interesting. I have a broad spectrum of clients. Uh, on the one end, I've got, I've got clients that do a government, government contracting to the military. I got one, this is pretty wild. They provide test pilots to the Navy and they teach Navy pilots how to man uh, attack drones. So that's on the one side. On the other hand, I got the number one guy in Taiwan who solves unsolvable health problems that, that all the specialists and the diagnosticians send to him. But I get all these young people coming to me and the problem with a lot of them is they look for fast, easy, promotion-based opportunities that are very superficial. 
they want to teach shit that really basically isn't very, very relevant. But I think people coming up with breakthroughs that will, I mean, the key to everything is how do you make a life either richer, not necessarily, it can be financial, it can be experiential, it can be joyous, safer, uh, more enjoyable, longer, happier. I think if you take all of the macro areas and you look at it, that's pretty cool. But then you can overlay them with threats, a lot of threats. There's threats to our ecosystem. There's threats to our, you know, to our, uh, you know, to our water supply. I was in, uh, and you've probably been there. I was in Amsterdam two weeks ago. I was there two months ago, yeah. I'd never really thought about the water management system. Oh, my God. So they're the best in the world at it. But when they explain it to you, you it's go, amazing. it's amazing. You guys should be underwater. Yeah. You guys shouldn't be here. You should all yeah. be drowned. Yeah, yeah. But. Dikes and levees. Yeah. Amazing what they've done. Yeah. But, the best in the world at it. But there are parts of this country that are starting to suffer from things like that. And we don't know how to manage it. <laughs> I mean, and and when you see, when you see, because I see it in my beach house, when you see water come up, when you see sand go down, when you see the power of nature and you realize that we really don't have much control over that. Mm. I mean, what are you going to do to stop? I mean, it's funny. I'm watching and when this airs, it, it may have been gone. It may have been devastating. Uh, Dorian, Dorian, is that it? And apparently it's now reduced down to a category two, right. which is good. But when you think about, this is pretty profound. So you got this, this, whatever you want to call it, this combination of wind, rain, going 185 miles an hour, moving one mile an hour. I know. Fathoming that is, un I mean, can you fathom that? <laughs> it's going 185 it's like, miles like an hour, but it's moving well, an, one like mile an hour. Well, I guess like how you take a top and spin it, it just spins around its own axis. It's wild, isn't it? <laughs> but they just told me they think it's going to miss a lot of places, but there's two more brewing right now out in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. No, I think there's three, actually. And you got... I mean, it's it's wild. You know, I, I have this really i have a, i have a somewhat unpopular view on climate change. You Please. Know? So I I think it's all bullshit. But I'm right. also an environmentalist. So I'm the I is what so I. So you're you're very interesting a dichotomy in your no, conundrum. I for diet. Should, no, I believe we should do everything to protect the environment. I'm all for it. Everything, but, but I don't believe it's because we. I don't think it's we're doing it. I just think that. Why not? Why would you shit where you eat? In other words, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think we're that powerful, relevant. I just I, I think yeah, a volcano. That's so that's, but, I, but I'm not saying I, I could be wrong. I just but I, I you know what I always get I'm very suspicious of all things that have politics attached to them, yeah, and, I agree with and, you. and that's what bothers me about it. And and things when they say well every sign blah 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 because they're getting grants. I don't believe it personally, but also I I'm all for donating to causes for anything having to do with. You know, making the water cleaner. Things yeah, yeah, why, yeah. why not? But I, I guess the here's my my issue. I'm, what I'm really bothered by lately, okay, is I think that so there's something with social media that is it's it's taking every it's polarizing everything. Like all views agree. are being polarized, and and in terms of even in business, like for instance, I see people. This has to drive you crazy, Jay. You are literally probably one of the most knowledgeable people on the planet when it comes to marketing. That's very gracious. And you. it's true. It's also true. And anyone who knows marketing knows I'm speaking the truth. And that's very gracious. Yeah, I bet you there's people out there who are 26 years old making three times what you're making right now saying they're marketing experts. You're right. Because they've perfected. They've harnessed the medium. Of just bullshit. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Self-promotion. You're right. And 
what's the solution to this? Is it just, you think it's something that's going to run its course? People will get wiser that the internet's... Well, yeah, well, that's what you just la- you landed on. One of the things that's a real, real thorn in my side. Got to be, right? Yeah, but it has to do with how indiscriminate consumers are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just so indiscriminate. They want to believe. They want to believe. And, and which is interesting because, well, you got, you got manipulated, manipulated knowledge, but you also do have the ability, if you want to research, to research past that. I mean, if you, and. So, so the, somewhat the consumer's fault in a way. Well, I guess what you're saying is you can't, if you dig past page one, you can find the truth about someone. Yeah, don't right? you think? Yeah, you can. If you really want to know if this, you know, if the guy that's got four hot girls and three Lamborghinis in the rented house, you know, up in the hills, really is great at business or is really great at facade creation. I mean, you can really find out, can't It's you? like the guy who sells the currency trading system because he's, if you're so good at trading currencies, yeah. why, why would you, you do it? Why, well, that's it. Why are you just trading your own money? I, get it. I mean, I find it hilarious. All these people uh-huh. that supposedly, even real estate, I mean, you're, you're, she's in real estate. If you're a great realtor, why do you why, want to trade? Why do you want to teach it? Why do you want to keep you it for yourself? Exactly. Why Build your own. Yeah. But everyone wants, I mean, basically, nobody really wants to do it. Do you understand that? Human nature really doesn't want to do it. They want it done for them. And people, if you look at most of the people teaching almost anything in any facet of business, they haven't done that for years. I mean, we won't name a name, but somebody that I knew and you know who's not very active in selling anymore, hadn't sold himself for 25 <laughs> years. And yet he's elevated himself to being the bastion of uh, of expertise. I mean, is that hypocrisy? It's pretty bad, my friend. It but bon- that's what it's like. And these young guys, you know, or girls, you know, they've had one success. They have, here's the irony. A, a, a tactic doesn't build a business. Most... Mm. People's idea of a business are nothing more than a tactical-based, uh, elongated promotion. And people don't realize that if you're going to sell me your tactic, I'm not talking about your selling. Selling is a general and, and universal skill set that everybody right. needs to have. You know, I, but if you're going to say, okay, I've got the ultimate way to whatever, to get Facebook likes. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. so if I'm the first one... To learn it, maybe I have a, a, a three-week advantage. Right. But you're not trying to sell Jay Abraham. You're trying to sell 200,000 Jay Abrahams. So now it becomes either marginalized or the standard everyone has to follow. And now i got to learn the next tactic. Right. And the next, where is it going to end? Most of the, see, I come at it and saying a business is an enduring, strategic, you know, it's 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 designed to to sustain, but it can't sustain if you build it as a promotion. All right, let me ask you a question. So here, and I might be giving you the answer yeah, you want. No, 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 you are. But I want to. You're so, very stimulating, by the way. You got a lot in that head. <laughs> I like this. No, it's good. You um, articulate it well. Ready, ready for this one? Let me give you a different curveball. Okay. Right, right. Um, so, you, yeah. okay. I, I can't got your number. 
I really do. Okay. On what you do, okay? I, when you go to a company, all right? See, I, and I don't think it's duplicatable, and I'll tell you why. It isn't. I don't I think it is. No, it isn't. Yeah. No, I know. It's yeah, not, I just it's, said it isn't. You're yeah. right. You don't have to tell me yeah, why. Because, I know Because what you do, when you go to a business, right, and you look at a business, what you're doing is you're taking all the accumulated experience exactly that right. you have. Exactly. Right, it's and, and it's just and all it, the nuance. It's, just, nuance. it's from, all nuance. From practical, it's just from practical seeing it, scenario based, what, what, experiential. Exactly right. Yeah, and so, that's a problem. Yeah, that's why I have to charge 120 grand a day, because nobody. I I can teach you all kinds of general principles, and they will work. They will help your business grow. But if you want to really kill it, you need to know all the implications, all the nuances, all the probabilities, all the outcomes, all the different you know, unique, uh, 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 not just the nuances, but all the permutations. And that's only doable if you've actually lived it. And so you'd have to live my life for 40 years. And I, it was not that much fun. I mean, now it's cool, but you're exactly right. It's a very unique skill to possess while I'm alive and while my brain is working. So how, so, right. So since most people can't afford 120,000 a day, right? Yes. You're more than me. I'm 100 grand a day, right? So <laughs> you're going to have to raise my price, right? If we did it age, together, we could I'm charge 250. When I'm your age, I'll charge it. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> so anyway, hey, listen, next. So yeah, that being said, yes. there's still massive wisdom from you. How do they learn? What's the next best thing? Well, what would like, I want? Yeah. Like, how do you so let me tell you what people I do. that can't? Yeah. So I'll tell you what I've done. It's very interesting. I realize that most people can't afford me. I'm not the wealthiest man in the world, but I can afford to invest in entrepreneurship. So I'm not suggesting you even go there. I'm just, this is what no, I go do. There. No, go no, there. No, but, but we we have decided five years ago, I started gifting better content on my website for no opt-in, not selling anything, because I knew that 95% of the people couldn't afford me, but I could afford to contribute to them. And my ideals, my values are such that it makes them better contributors to the world. I don't lose anything. Right. It gets my brand out. Uh, maybe I can grow you from 100000 and someday you'll be able to afford me. Maybe right. your brother-in-law is running a $100 million company. But we see ourselves as the greatest benefactor to the beleaguered entrepreneur. So most people, I don't try to monetize. The ones that I do, we basically do three things. We'll do expensive consult. We'll do a deal where we'll take a very lowered fee, but we want a piece of That's all the right. enhancement for as long as it enhances. And I like that better sometimes than equity because if they sell it, you've got an implied option. Right. So you got the best right. of all words. You got cash flow, but you got, or we'll buy the rights to certain things they don't want to do license certain things they do internally to other people. Right. I have enough flexibility and right. agility to do that. And we do really cool. It's one of the fun things I do. They're not cheap. We do $25,000 three-day makeovers that are killer. And I do that all the time. And that's fun. And I do keynotes that are very unique. My keynotes are all unique because they're all problem solving. They're, they're all scenario based. They're not me doing a shtick. So they're fun. But most of the people out there can't afford me, so I don't try to even monetize mm -hmm. them. I don't want to sell a $19 product, so I don't. I'd rather give them something invaluable that's going to help them because if I do, one of two things happen. They're going to be able to be better off for their, you know, for their business, their industry, add more value. Number two, they may make enough money that they can't afford me. Number three, at least I've elevated the quality of the commerce that they are doing. And that's good for what I believe in. So it's true. I mean, I really, 
Uh, if you look up, you know, we give away more things than we ever sell. No, because it's like it's almost like when you're in some level, it's like a biological computer in there. Yeah, with just all the stored information. You look at something and you're running your scenarios and, and you That's spit it. out something, yeah. right? You, you, you are so insightful. Right. I tell people, do you remember the old six million dollar man where mm-hmm. he had all the? Well, my mind is that way. And there's a concept called universal intelligence. And if you understand it, after you've done, I mean, after you've done a thousand industries and a couple hundred experts, there's almost nothing you are exposed to that you can't, you can't extrapolate. Mm-hmm. You can't say this is like that, but you can't do that if you haven't experienced it and really experiencing it, not just, you know, having, you know, life's people say, oh, I've helped all these companies. Well, a lot yeah. of companies have come and listened to their two hour shtick. But it's not the same. I've had the good or bad fortune of being on the front lines of capitalism and having to deal with untangling Gordian knots, dealing with every kind of scenario. You know, I mean, crap, we know hundreds of ways to do lead generating, 93 ways to do, you know, uh, referral generating, all this stuff. But it's all, you're exactly right. It's not, I couldn't teach the nuances to you in a lifetime because it took me a lifetime. Is there something that you would say, like, okay, if you could just say three things to every entrepreneur out there, like, what are the three things? Just look at these three things and you'll be better off for it. Is that three things you could say? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you if you believe that advantage comes from understanding more than anybody else, the real opportunity, if you look at breakthroughs, 98% of all breakthroughs did not come from inside an industry. They came from outside. My skill and my gift is accidental, but now I'm hopelessly curious. I tell everybody, we've got something we call funnel vision versus tunnel vision. It's very self-explanatory. All my knowledge comes from being able to use uh, pattern recognition from all kinds of other industries. Travel as much as you can outside your industry. Study things that aren't really what your industry does. You know, get your friends to give you their trade journals, their junk mail. If you're in a big city that has conferences, go on Saturday and just walk in and see if you can watch. Recognize all the other things going on. All your friends that, you know, that you have cocktail parties or baseball. Ask them how their business, whoever they work for, whether they're not in marketing or sales or not. How do you guys sell? How do you market? Who do you sell to? And reflect on that because that's where your advantage comes from is growing past everybody else being hopelessly curious, traveling outside your industry, and then really looking at your business or your job or your career. I mean, it's translatable to everything, but that's the first thing I'd say. Number one, two? The second thing, if can I do a triad as well? Of course, one? absolutely. Okay. So at one of my seminars, we did something really cool. We had 40 different experts, and the deal was if I took your firstborn and held him or her captive, and the only way you could ransom was in three minutes or less, give me a concept that was infallible that anybody could apply, even if they misapplied, it would succeed in spite, what would it be? And we had a, a, we had uh, two people that really blew my mind. One was a salesperson, I'll tell you what he said, and the other was an effectiveness coach. I'll start with the effectiveness coach. He said, no matter what you do for your business, even if you're one person business, break the key components, the top five or seven, into as many processes as it can be. And I did work on process improvement. I'd like to share before we're done one cool kick-ass process concept for you that you can run with all your clients and you'll love it because I've never done much with it, but it kills. So remind me about that and I'm not having an ADD moment. So what this guy said was, okay, you break it into three cat. You break all these processes into three categories. 
Competency, relevancy, passion. If you're incompetent, going from mediocre to shitty is stupid. <laughs> it's linear. Right. And you don't want to operate in the linear zone. You want to operate in the geometric zone or the exponential zone. Remind me about that, too, because I've done a lot of work on that, and it's very cool. Number two, passion. If you can't get excited about doing something, you're going to spend so much extra fuel energy just keeping going. You're rather off getting somebody who is passionate. Number three uh, is relevant. You, I mean, I'm going to date myself, but uh, that sounds perverse. But uh, you can laugh. I have a good humor. So if, a lot of double entendre. Yeah, double entendre. I love double entendre. They say that puns are really says that you're you're bright. I hope that's true. Uh, if this is true, if if uh, if what you do, I mean, maybe I'm the greatest person in the world in opening the office and checking the lights and turning on the you know the the uh, machines. But if that's the all I have is time and opportunity cost. So you have to utilize it to the highest. I was trained in highest and best. Uh, usage theory, optimization. Deming was a uh, a client of mine, and I learned process improvement. Now let me take it to you in selling, because this will blow your mind. Okay, and you didn't ask this, but this is going to make you money, and you're going to go, Jay. Even though you babbled like mad, and you weren't the kind of interview <laughs> I wanted. God, you oh, you're me great. By no, the I'm way. fun. I'm fun. I'm 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 uninhibited. Uh, so okay, anybody that has a sales force or distributors or franchisees makes a ludicrous mistake. They impute to everybody omnipotence. So let's say you're a salesperson for the J. Abraham Company and your territory is Southern California. Mm -hmm. So you are expected to be brilliant at opening accounts, at keeping margin, at selling all the products, at... Uh, I don't agree with that, but anyway. Yeah, no, I'm talking about most people. They, okay. give, they, they want their salesperson to be everything. At selling every kind of industry where that is bullshit. Yeah. If you analyze people in a sales organization, some are good at one. I mean, some are good yeah. account open and some and, are, yeah. oh, and now yeah. here's the thing, but here's where it gets really cool. The level of differentiation is important. If you're, if, if you find 10 different categories that you're doing in that job, and let's say you're better, you're 30% better at one. And I find three of you that are 30% better, but you're doing that 30% better differently. And I interview all the three of you and I teach that to everyone else who's not 30% better, and I do it with 10 different categories, I've just multiplied each salesman's ability by hundreds of percent, but it gets better. If you're 500% better, let's say it's selling to uh, uh, all the uh, table manufacturers in your territory, but you've only got one, or I mean table manufacturers, but you've only got one, you should be the table manufacturer guy. If you're better at opening accounts, but you can't keep them, you should go out and open them and flip them. Right. And when you just organize it that way, you can boost sales performance 30, 40. I've always don't do that, of But course. most people don't. Interesting, yeah. So there you have it. Uh, I agree a thousand percent. Yeah, the last one. Number three. Yeah, the last one, which is interesting, and this is pretty fascinating because we are not diligent in real interact, inter, interactive connection. If you are a salesperson, and you have, I would have called it a Rolodex pre-internet. Now it's a database. If if you connect once every three or four months with everybody then and find out what they're doing and tell them what you're doing, it is statistically impossible. And it's even more exacerbated today because everyone's moving so fast that there aren't opportunities that mesh that will manifest themselves. And this this was the top salesperson back years ago. His name was, was Bill Brooks. 
And he said, every time I get somebody to do that, their sales goes up 40% annually just by making the connections, but they don't do it diligently mm. and they get, they get daunted. And then he said, I reduce it down to the fact that on the way to work, you can call somebody, take a shorter lunch and call somebody. It's like three calls a day, you know, three times a year, but nobody does any of that shit. Interesting. There you have it. You know, it's funny. I remember people, people say to me, uh, how did you do business before email and cell phones? <laughs> and you know what we did? Tell me if I, my, I was like, you know, the only thing that happened is that everyone knew that you could only get someone yeah, during business hours. No. So it was, it was crammed into the... Well, it was better. <laughs> you made better decisions. You, had you to thought about things. You weren't impulsive. Because you could only between eight, eight and six. And, like, right? it and you had to have crazy. a lot of quarters or a calling card. <laughs> I, remember I remember I used to travel. One of my jobs, I traveled all over three states. And I had to get off the highway, find a phone. <laughs> if my calling card was over over limit, I had to have a lot of quarters. And they'd say, put another quarter. But we had to think. We had all the driving time to think instead of having to respond instantly to and impetuously and imperfectly. We had a lot more what I'll call uh, gestation time to think through something more fully, I think. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, I think like. For me, it's like, I think what I was driving at is that people, young people, they like don't get it. Like, no. I don't understand how did you do business without oh, yeah. email and cell phones, right? And to me, so I thought about it. I was like, you know, all, the only difference was that so you just did business during business hours. Right. What's, what's, what's cause? I'm not, I'm, I'm terrible at this. I admit, I, I don't think I would do, I don't think my strategy is healthy. Is that I do business like eighteen hours? I do too. Day, it's not, and it's not. It's like I should like shut say, you know yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I shouldn't look. But, but I can't. you're not going to change. That. <laughs> but, but but that's the difference. Like, you know, but also no, you had richer relationships. The the relationships were stronger and more authentic. Yeah. Don't you think? Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. And 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 yes, for sure. By the way. Yes. Yes. And and there's a I, I have a a really there's one of the top uh, psychiatrists that deals with ADD entrepreneurs, and he said the biggest single weakness today is lack of vitamin c and that he means connectivity real connectivity real. not hey i'm texting you but like yeah. you and i talking you and i having having a time every week we meet or every month where we just talk about life or talk about what's going on hopes dreams opportunities that doesn't exist connectivity is a fallacy it's superficiality where do you see things in uh 10 years from now any idea did you let's say this? Did you predict this ten years ago? What did you? What were you? Did you have views? I'm sure you did. No. If you could look back, I didn't. I didn't. No, no. Yeah, right. But 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 will you let me give you my treatise on the 10x moonshot AI? Yes. Phenom. Yes. Because I think it's fun, and I have a really cool yeah. concept on it. But you'd realize my work is on making everything you do perform better internally. It's making every action, every effort, every dollar, every every. Uh, interaction, every human and financial capital, every IP. So put that, hang it from suspended animation. So there's this big, big, big movement for everyone to go after a 10x moonshot. And if you're doing this too, I'm going to apologize, but I'm going to give you my theorem, which I've had verified by experts. And what they don't tell you, first of all, in order to do it, you got to find the right three or four experts, AI, VR, that understand it. They got to, they've never worked together. They may not know your industry. They may have the wrong technology or APIs. So you got to figure out what's your moonshot uh, strategy going to be, first of all, right? Now you got to put together the team to do it, right? Now they're going to have to build it. And you've built homes before. I've built homes before. Did you ever build one that came in 
sooner than you want it and cost less than Never. Going to, no. no. So it's going to take longer. It's going to cost more. You're going to have to finance it either out of cash flow, out of borrowing, or out of diluting the business, right? Got to finance it for somewhere, right? While you're doing it, the rest of the business has to continue. When it finally gets to uh, beta, it's probably not going to perform the way you want it, so it's going to still have to be refined. When it finally works, you're going to have to have a parallel universe for a while, right? <laughs> then when it finally works, you're going to have to retrain everybody or fire everybody and pay all the severance. But then when you finally have the 10x moonshot machine, it's irrelevant if its value to the market isn't known. So you're going to have to be marketing, right. selling, trade shows, media. My deal is all along while you're doing that, you can make everything internally, you know, multiply exponentially for no more cost, no more time, sure. throw off all kinds of more cash to fund all this. Why don't you do that concurrently? That's my thesis. So 100 base hits is better than, than one potentially grand slam home run in some level. Well, there's no business I've ever seen that can't, that squeeze isn't, isn't the word, that can't mine an enormous amount more, more profit from their existing, what yeah, they're doing, yeah. who they're doing it for, the market they're doing, the media they've got, the relationships they've got. And I would do that first all along because the risk is nothing. The cost is nothing. It's just getting much more yield. You know, I, th I think people often look at, entrepreneurs look at um, a technology as a solution to a problem. I don't. See, I don't think technology, I think, so I would never say to someone, okay, your sales process is, isn't working because you need to buy this dialer or that list. It's not, no, it's not that, it has to work without that. I agree. And the technology makes it yeah. better. It's like yeah, the last 25. I absolutely agree. It's like, it's, yeah, not right? touche. I believe that there's a fallacy. Everyone thinks innovation. It's not. You know. Innovation has nothing to do with technology, although it can be enhanced. It's nothing more than bringing greater advantage to a market that the market recognizes, already, exactly. desires, and wants from exactly. you. That's it. Exactly. How you deliver it matters not. Right. If technology right. enhances it, yeah, but it's not technology. Right. People are, yeah. You and I are very in accord <laughs> on that. I like that. Hey. <laughs> Not many people th agree with me on that. No, but no it's, I it's, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. Okay, so. Yes, here we are. I want, how to, this, <laughs> listen, I do have a lot of really successful people watching. So, I, the, every, I'm going to tell you, every one of you could benefit for at least seeking Jay out. Whether That's they, very great. No, seriously. Um, so, how do they, how do people get in touch with you? What's the easiest way? To research uh, you. There's a lot of free, yeah. like, there's tons of free stuff on your. Yeah, if you go to our website, honest to God. Jayabraham.com. Uh, Abraham.com. Abraham, even better. Abraham. Yeah, I've been saving it so I could sell it someday for a lot of money to a religious. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my retirement. If you get really bad, you get yeah, over yeah, that's right. Someday. <laughs> Some sect, someone will pay a billion yeah, yeah, dollars. Yeah, yes, right. I'm hoping sooner or later. But yeah, we have, we give away so much stuff there. And if you're really serious, uh, you can get a hold of me at jay at Abraham.com. And we'll look at any business, but I like, I have a preference towards businesses that are already successful, that have critical mass, velocity in motion, moving parts, infrastructure, because that's where somebody like myself can really kick right, ass. Right, right, right. But thank you. You're very great. So you're, like the 10, you're like the 10 to 100 million guy or the 50 yeah, yeah. Anybody, I mean, usually it's going to be 10 to 250, but it's got to be entrepreneurial Entrepreneur owned and run, not corporate. Uh, corporate and I don't get along well, right. too politicalized. Yeah. And you got to be willing to think nonlinear because I bring to bear thinking that will seem, it'll seem so elegant sometimes, but it kicks ass. Yeah. 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 I think also, I, for someone like yourself and myself as well, um, well, I mean, you know, I have a big companies that sales stuff is pretty yeah. linear, right? 
But um, is that I think the biggest advantage a small company has is their ability to be nimble. Yeah, you're and move exactly. quickly, and big companies just can't. So you come. A lot of your ideas are time sensitive, and they, are. they just they implement slowly. They don't work, and they also have to be willing to experiment because people don't realize if you're willing to test hypothesis, you'll always find winners. And and if you control the risk, the downside is always low, and the upside, unless you're really stupid, is going to be off the chart. But you can't do it if you don't do it. And most people go, oh, that sounds dumb. If I told you all the things, like, for example, and you'll like this, one time we tested 33 different ways at greeting somebody in the front door of a very large furniture company and found one that tripled conversions. Just some, you know, you change a headline and you quintuple, you change a call to action, Crazy, you change, right? the, the, thing, that you change really the way you... You it's that impactful, yeah. Yeah, and, and there's all these different factors and variables. I mean, I got trained in variability. Uh, you can't believe it. I also, one of my clients, this is hilarious, was the largest strategic litigation consulting firm in the country, and it's sort of like a forensic accounting firm. You start by saying, okay, are we saying that, the, that, that our client was injured a lot or not? So then they have all these PhD sociologists, uh, 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 psychologists who figure out, you know, venue, attitude, jury. And then it gets really hilarious. It's not hilarious. It's fascinating because they have, they have graphics department that they can either depict horrible, horrible, horrible suffering, or with graphics, you can depict very little suffering. A lot of, I mean, it's so much, if you don't know all the power that's out there that can be harnessed, mostly benevolent, but some of it malevolent, <laughs> you know, it's pretty interesting, man. Most things can be either anything of power can typically be malevolent right. or benevolent, right? It's how yeah. the power is directed. I made that mistake myself with selling when I had cracked the code for training yeah. salesmen and when I was very young. I didn't yeah, really no, I think about that. And it's, it we don't realize we're yeah, we're entrusted with the power and the yeah. power can be more uh more um uncontrollable. M sixteen could be yeah. used to defend. Well, yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's great. You want to listen, guys. Also, I I mean this. Uh, I've known Jay for a long time, and I just a massive respect. Check out his his um, website, Abraham.com. And if you have any ability, to, don't waste his time. But if you really have a real business, you should consult him because I I don't know anyone that's ever not that hasn't had um, some massive ROI on the relationship. So that's my advice. Anyway, listen. Guys, thank you for coming. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And another episode of The Wolf Den. Listen, share this one with your friends. All right? It's a good one. All right? Take care, and I'll see you next episode.